0: You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I am Gary Byron. Hey, Rob.
1: Hey, Gary. Good morning to you. Oh, good morning to you. you looking great, Thank man. Thank you, sir. How have you been? Not too bad, you know, just getting to the thick of the good weather and enjoying
0: the outdoors, right? Uh, you know, I'm so glad that you say that, because we people get cooped up all winter long and then uh, although this year we did have a spring you know like several years in a row mm-hmm. it went from winter to summer but we had uh, every bit of a spring this year but this is the time of year that i love most i love heading into summer i love the summer months i love how it's light out uh till 8:39 yep, yep. o'clock even at night and it's just there's more people out and about you're more social and I think generally speaking although I don't have it I have friends who do that seasonal depression I'm a pretty happy go lucky guy uh god bless you know I'm I'm very fortunate for that but um there's a lot of a lot of people because of the cold weather and the darkness uh that get depressed and now they're now they're back to their usual selves it's uh, they're a lot more a lot more happy. I mean
1: this is the time of year I think a lot of people that travel to New England from other areas they go wow I like this place right yeah. I want to live here but then they come in the winter not so much Well right? you've
0: been here from Florida I know you're originally from yeah. Florida. So you've been here for a few years the last 4 years maybe our winters have been very mild. Not, so was it wasn't just this past year, thankfully, the last four yeah. consecutive But
1: it's the cold still there, and, I mean, not just me. I'm from Florida. I don't like the cold, but people coming from almost anywhere. There's always the outlier that's like, I love the snow. Give me more. But that's very seldom. Most people, they like that spring, summer weather, like you said, more social. There's more activities going on, just more things in general. So, like, people that come from other areas and think about relocating – I think this time of year is the vision that they have, right? Sure. The wind blowing, the beauty, you know, the beauty going on, the flowers blooming, just all that. It's just so unique and and beautiful and it makes people want to move here. So, obviously, we got a lot of that going on, hence the real estate market.
0: But if you also like hot weather, I mean, you're going to get 95 degree temperatures here as well. Sometimes,
1: you- sure. Oh, yeah. Sometimes not when you want them, right? <laughs> That's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, 95 it usually comes with a lot of humidity along with it. Mm-hmm. So um, it takes my wacky hair. It makes it even more wacky. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the housing market and interest rates. Since the last time that we chatted, last Saturday, did the rates go up again? Is it... Are they talking? Is it still at six? six I mean, the Fed. Five you know,
1: we've talked about the Fed doesn't directly impact mortgage rates. It's more about like taking cues and what they're going to do. And they are now expected to hike. You know, coming up at this meeting this coming week. So that's definitely expected. Mortgage rates are already looking you know, forward to that. And, you know, we really thought after that May 10th report coming out, the consumer price index, that we were going to see rates drop. And they did for like a day or two. But then with the <laughs> debt ceiling debacle and all the other stuff, rates went right back very, very close to their all-time, or I shouldn't say that, their most recent highs from like November of uh, 2022. So we're, you know, unfortunately, we're back in that range now of like, High sixes to low sevens on a majority of the loan programs, but first of all, that's still below the thirty-year average. So we got to step back and look at that. Second of all, it's still looking at a robust real estate market, especially here in Connecticut. Uh, I don't think we're going to see, you know, the the rates just bottom out. But I do think over the next year to two years, as I've said on multiple shows, like I definitely think the rates are coming down. So
0: I do. I, is that would that cause someone to wait a year or two years worst for the rates idea, to go down?
1: It really, you know, I hear that so often. That's probably the worst idea that you could do is is actually step back and wait and say, I'm not buying a house because I want rates to go lower.
0: But if someone's sitting there with a 2.9% interest rate, why would they trade that for a 7% interest rate? Do the
1: numbers rate? work? I don't know. You know, we got to look at everyone's situation. How much equity do they have and all that. So that's one scenario is the move-up buyer. Moving from the 2%, 3% mortgage to a 7% mortgage. That's one group of people. People, right, and that's the lockdown effect we, we've discussed that makes them want to keep their home and not sell it. But I'm also looking, and I'm I think more so looking at a lot of first time buyers that are like, Oh, my friend a couple years ago bought a house and paid three and a half percent. I'm not doing seven, seven and a half, I'm just gonna wait till it happens, till it goes down. You know, I'll even be comfortable at five, five and a half, but I'm not paying that six and a half, seven, seven and a half plus. Right, everybody's got the same idea as you. You think you're smart. Wait. Watch what happens. You think you're smart waiting for rates to go down to five? See how many buyers are in the market. See how many people are doing the exact same thing as you. Okay? Because I talk to them every day. There's more people doing that, stepping Mm -hmm. back and waiting, than there are grabbing their you-know-what and getting in the market and getting in the game. Because I'm telling you now, buying a house today, what's that house going to be worth five years from now? But somebody would say, well, of course, you're
0: biased. You're going to say that because you're in the... The, the mortgage industry. You have to look at the brighter side of, of Regardless, you can be in any industry. You know, and you're you're going to highlight. Don't the- take
1: my word for it. Go do your own research. Go talk to your own advisors. Go talk to your own team. What happens to the housing market when rates go down? Buyers jump in. That's the whole point is to stimulate so the because, market.
0: So, but because but there are a lot of people that are still buying houses right now.
1: There are so many, yeah. so many.
0: This is why the bidding process is so and prevalent.
1: I, you know, we've talked about it before, but to our new listeners, I would you know want to give you the confidence and motivation that bite the bullet and take the seven or eight percent mortgage rate. Do it because it's not a forever. It's not 10 years. It's not 20 years. Even though you may think I'm going to keep this house for 30 years, your mortgage, you're probably not. Like the average mortgage up until recently was only like three and a half, four years that people kept it. They were selling. They were refinancing. Obviously, now it's a little longer. But historically, statistically, you're going to get out of that mortgage. You're going to get a lower one. So buy the house and and actually marry the house for long term, but date the rate. Look at that as more short term. You're playing the field, right? Whether it's a year from now or five years from now, if you're looking at your home as a one year investment or a two year investment, you shouldn't be buying at all. Okay, so when you start stepping back and looking at it from that, you know, long term economic perspective, it feels comfortable. Because go look at the last cycles. Rates went up, rates went down. People didn't scream in 1987 when the rates were freaking 19%. They went and bought homes and refinanced them a couple years later at 11%. Why can't you do the same? It's because you don't have the confidence, you don't have the the path, and that's what I want to do, is give you that path. And in today's episode specifically, I want to concentrate in on one of the most popular mortgages, specifically for the first-time buyer crowd, which are a lot that come to me with these concerns, government-backed mortgages. All
0: right. So what's a government-backed mortgage, and how, and really, how does it compare to the something that's more traditional?
1: So... When you're looking at mortgages, a lot of different loan programs. For the majority of people, we're going to be looking at really two main sets, which is going to be your conventional mortgages and your government mortgages. So like I said a minute ago, the government-backed mortgages are – I think I heard 60 percent of first-time buyers use government-backed mortgages. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but I believe that was a statistic because they're much more forgiving Uh, With credit, with income, uh, there's just a lot more flexibility with government-backed mortgages. So when we talk about the government-backed loans, Gary, what we're talking about is loans that are insured or guaranteed by the federal government, by government entities. So we're talking about three main government entities, FHA, which is Federal Housing Administration. VA, Veteran Affairs and USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture. So different types of loans for different types of people. Um, There are different protections, like we said, different flexibilities. The one thing that you got to realize looking at these government backed mortgages is they are only for people that are going to live in the house. OK, so you're mm. not getting an FHA loan when you're buying and a rental property. Rental. Yeah. you're not if you're not living there at all. You're not buying or you're not getting a VA loan if you're buying a single family home to rent out to make income. These are for people that are going to live here. These are to help stimulate home ownership in the United States. Um, you know, they were created, I believe, in the 1940s. Theodore Roosevelt, I want to say, was the president uh, that the, did that. In the
0: 40s, it was Franklin. FDR. Okay. Teddy Roosevelt go. was- uh, FDR,
1: yeah. that's the one. So he put, put these mortgages out to help stimulate the economy after the Great Depression. That's why these are out there, and they've stayed there to help the underserved, help people that maybe aren't as fortunate when it comes to having money to put down and great credit and all that. So you know they, they really fill a huge void in the market, and I use them every single day.
0: Why would someone choose a government-backed mortgage, though?
1: I would tell you that the number one reason that I see homebuyers choosing government-backed loans today is the low down payment requirement. When you compare, there are conventional loans that have low down payments, okay. but when you look at you know what is going to be best for the the general public, most of the time because of credit and other uh, issues, the government-backed loans they they just. They resonate a bit more. They're easier to get qualified for in most cases. So FHA has a minimum down payment of three and a half percent down. However, FHA also pairs up well with some down payment assistance programs and things that can cover some or all of that three and a half percent for certain people. Then you've got the VA, the Veteran Affairs Loan. To me, this is the best loan in the country if you qualify. If you're either a veteran uh, or a spouse, a surviving spouse of a veteran uh, that passed, You can be eligible for a VA loan. Zero down a phenomenal government subsidized interest rate, typically lower than conventional in FHA. And then also you've got no PMI. So you're putting down no money. But you don't have to deal with that pesky PMI that we've talked about so much that adds to your payment. So lower rate, lower payment, lower fees. I mean, it's just VA is where it's at. And then the last one is the USDA program. So USDA also allows zero down. This is a seldom used loan program. A lot of people don't use this, especially in Connecticut, because there's two main criteria other than credit and your normal things is you have to make less than a certain income based on the area. So, you know, if you're rolling in multiple six figures, you're probably not going to get a VA or excuse me, a USDA loan. This is more for that low to moderate income. And then the other thing is there's geographic restrictions. So the USDA comes out with maps of where they want to stimulate home ownership. And if the house that you're looking to buy or the area you're looking to buy is in that map, then you're potentially eligible for the USDA loan. Again, phenomenal low interest rate, zero, no money down USDA has a little bit higher credit requirement, but it's just a really, really great loan program for those that qualify. And, you know, you see these government loans, they're seldom known, some of them, well, but they're
0: awesome. What What are some of the government uh, more, uh, loans right. that you can so get. Right, so
1: let's get in depth here on each one of these. So we talked about Federal Home, uh, excuse me, federal Housing Administration, FHA, and that's popular with the first-time buyers because of that low 3.5% down. And also, FHA is awesome because it'll allow you to go up to a four-unit property. These other loans will not let you do that necessarily. FHA will let you go up to four units with as little as 3.5% down. Um, so that's huge. Now, when you get into three- and four-unit FHA, there are other criteria. There's other requirements, reserves, self-sufficiency tests. There are other things. I don't want to act like this is easy, but if you have the right team to guide you, FHA is a great program to get multifamily. Uh, another one is VA. We talked about eligible veterans and their spouses, zero down, no PMI. That's going to be lower payments you know you, that could shave off anywhere from 80 to a couple hundred dollars a month off the average mortgage right now in the state of Connecticut so you have no idea how many people i talk to though that are veterans and eligible and they don't get a VA loan oh yeah i was told conventional was better Why? or my realtor said i shouldn't do VA cuz the seller won't like it there 's a lot of stigmas there 's a lot of myths we 've done whole episodes about VA loans and why they get a bad rap, but it 's not right. VA is an amazing program and then USDA is to support those rural and uh, excuse me rural and suburban homebuyers low to moderate income that 's really the sweet spot for that USDA loan. If you have a knowledgeable mortgage advisor on your team, they should be able to guide you through all the different loan programs, including these government loans, to see which box you fit in. None of these may be for you, or maybe two out of three are an option, right? So that's why, again, that team, that knowledge, that experience is so important. What about
0: the eligibility requirements?
1: Right. So credit scores is really where I want to hone in because there's a lot of moving parts on these. But credit scores are the big differentials that you'll find in a lot of these government-backed mortgages. So when we're talking about government-backed loans, the government doesn't say we're only going to take you if you have a 580 credit score. The government does not do that. A lot of these programs don't have any minimum credit score requirement, but the lenders – the people that actually make the loans, the lenders are the ones that put these over what we call overlays, lender overlays. What a lender overlay is, is it's a requirement above and beyond what the government or the guarantor requires uh, that's guaranteeing the loan. So what you're looking at is FHA down to a 580 score. Generally, there are some lenders that will get lower than that. But generally, 580 is your kind of barrier to entry to get into an FHA loan. VA, Same thing, 580 generally is what I see with no money down, I've heard of people getting these loans down to, you know, mid-500s, even low-500s. If they're putting a higher down payment, they've got compensating factors. But generally, you know, 580, like we've talked about on other shows, is kind of your minimum barrier entry on a lot of these loan programs. And then USDA has a bit of a higher score requirement. So USDA has a minimum score of 640. This is an actual minimum that's handed down from USDA. So your lender might have a 660 minimum, but USDA has a 640 minimum. Obviously, the lower your credit score is, especially in USDA, like the more difficult it may be to qualify. But you at least meet that minimum requirement where we can start exploring these options, and we're not saying no, you can't do it.
0: All right. So that's credit score. What about income or even location restrictions? Are, are, will that impact?
1: So VA and uh, excuse me, VA and FHA don't have any income restrictions. I've had VA buyers that make close to seven figures, no issue. Same thing with FHA. Um, USDA is the one loan program that does have this specific criteria. So there's a website as loan officers that we'll be able to go to and put in the address that you're trying to buy and find out what is the income limit and what is the price limit on the property, you know, to see if it's eligible. So. It's not one-size-fits-all, and you might find a house in an area where one part of town is eligible for USDA (laughs) and another part of town is not eligible for USDA. Really? It has to do with the census and what they deem to be a rural or suburban area. There's some areas in Connecticut, though, that you would go in and say this is a regular suburban neighborhood and it qualifies for USDA. There's other areas that you'd think this is definitely rural and it's not qualified for USDA. So this isn't one of those things as a consumer that you can chance. If you're interested in USDA, let your lender know that up front and let us guide you to even if it's an option because – like if you're looking in uh, downtown hartford or you know inner city you're not getting a usda loan like we need to look at other options a lot of people hear the zero down and they hear that low pmi and they're like whoa wait i want that usda loan right. little do they know there are You know, there's uh, details to be ironed out to see if it's even going to work.
0: Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can uh, obtain a lot of information online. Simply head on over to www.robgw.com and write this phone number down as well, 860-413-3938. I'm going to repeat both those, and I'm even going to give you the email address more towards the end of the show. Um, Interest rates, that's got to be impactful here, right?
1: It is. You know, one of the big reasons why the government loans are attractive is because the interest rates are generally a little better than conventional. And what I've seen, probably the biggest impact is that the the government-backed loans don't penalize you as much for having a lower credit score, right? So, yes, someone with a 580 score is going to get a higher rate than someone with a 680 score, right? But- it's not going to be as high as it would be if you were trying to get a conventional loan. So what I mean is the, you know, the disparity between the high credit and low credit on a conventional, it could be 1% in interest rate, right? On, an, on a government-backed loan, you could be getting like within a quarter point, half a point at most – um, and some programs, some lenders, they don't penalize you for that uh, credit score. So, like, this is one of those scenarios where the government loans really shine because you're going to get a way better deal on a government loan with a low credit score than you will on a conventional uh, loan with a low credit score. All else being equal, same down payment, same everything, nine out of ten times the government loan's going to be better. So it's very attractive. Yeah, there's pros and cons, of course. We're talking about them here today. But that's one of those huge pros. So. So what you're going to also find is that because of the expanded flexibility on government loans, they allow the higher debt ratios. They allow the lower credit like we're talking about. So when you're comparing like a private loan or a hard money loan, which for some buyers that have having problems qualifying, that may be an alternative they're looking at. Those loans can be in the high single to low double digits. So when you start comparing that like a private or non-qualified mortgage to a government backed loan not even close. The government loan will win every single time. One thing that I want to hone in on here for a second, Gary, is the um, mortgage insurance premiums, the MIP premiums for these loans, because I wouldn't say one of the downsides, but one of the necessary evils when you're getting a government-backed loan is that there's this PMI or mortgage insurance requirement on pretty much all the loans. So I want to give our listeners just kind of a quick rundown of the calculation so you can see the difference. So this is as of June 2023, so I can't speak if you're listening to this a year from now or down the line. (laughs) They're constantly changing this. This actually just changed several months ago. So on an FHA loan, there's going to be a 1.55 percent upfront fee that's financed into the loan, and then there's going to be a 0.55% annual amount that's divided by 12 and included in your mortgage payment, okay? Um, The the fee can vary if you're putting a bigger down payment, but for most people listening with the minimum 3.5% down, those are the calculations on FHA. Now, with USDA, it's a 1% upfront fee and 0.35% divided by 12 months included in your mortgage. So you can see that's a, quite a bit lower than FHA, but a lot more restrictions to get that loan. And then VA. VA is the only one that has absolutely zero monthly PMI. That's why it's so great, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's completely gone, and there's only an upfront PMI that's financed in. So they actually let you borrow the money for that. You don't even have to put it out of pocket if you're not able to. And with that, it's gonna be if it's your first use, it's gonna be between one and a quarter percent and two point one five percent of the loan amount. Okay, that's the calculation. And if it's your second or third or, you know, if you've already used your VA benefit once, then the second time and and future times you use it, it's quite a higher hefty fee. It's 3.3% up front. So you can start doing the math. If you're buying a half a million dollar home, 3.3%, that's over $15,000. But again, you're putting no money down. It's guaranteed by the Veteran Affairs. All right, you know, I'm going
0: to ask you this question. It's inevitable. You talk of everything's rosy. Yeah. Okay. uh, are there any disadvantages of of this type of uh, government-backed yeah. mortgage? Yeah,
1: well, I'd say the biggest disadvantage, and actually, let me step back and say a lot of realtors – you know, they look negatively on these government-backed loans. I got to be just transparent in saying that if you're going and putting in an FHA via USDA offer, someone else is putting conventional, a lot of the time you're going to be at a disadvantage simply because there's stricter property requirements with the government-backed loans. There's something called MPR, minimum property requirements, okay? These are related to the safety and health Uh, of the property, meaning that it's safe to live there. The most common uh, issues that we have along these lines on government loans is going to be stairs that don't have a a, – Handrail. Handrail, exactly. Stairs that don't have a handrail, if there's more than three steps, that's going to disqualify. It needs to be added. A huge one we see in Connecticut all the time is homes built, I believe it's for before 1978, that have peeling paint. Really, any peeling paint in general is a problem. Lead, lead but paint. specifically, yeah. those properties that are built before then have more of an issue. And it's required that those get fixed. So a lot of realtors will know, hey, this property's got tons of peeling paint. We know if we accept this government loan offer, we're going to have to fix that. Is it a big deal? No. But, you know, they're looking for the path of least resistance in today's market. So a government loan versus a conventional, that's your, your downside there. There's also the additional fees. We were just talking about the PMI. Generally, if you're taking a conventional mortgage and you're getting PMI, you're putting the 3 to 5%, 10% down. Mm-hmm. Less than twenty percent, you're going to have PMI. There is lender-paid MI where it can be rolled into your interest rate, but most of the time, it makes more sense to pay the PMI. And you're going to find that that upfront fee on the government loans it's a lot. It, it stings because the. Conventional loans don't have the upfront fee most of the time. So that can save many, many thousands of dollars versus some of these government loans. It's something that you want to consider when you're exploring multiple loan options. What is actually going to save you the most money and put you in the best financial position? And the last thing that I'll say on disadvantages limited availability for certain property types. So it's a lot more difficult to get an FHA or VA condominium than it is a conventional condominium. There's just more requirements. Um, Deferred maintenance, there can be issues, like if there's repairs that need to be done on the property, there's obviously more scrutiny done. If it's a three or four unit property, there's extra things that have to get done to ensure that it meets certain criteria. So there are more hoops to jump through, but if you've got the right team, if you've got the right guide, we can do a lot of the legwork up front to make sure that the property is going to work before we say this is the loan that's for you, this sure. is the one you're going with. Listen,
0: I've only got a couple more minutes before i got to wrap things up, unfortunately, but I'd have to ask you, I mean, any like, last-minute advice that you could just offer somebody who's contemplating a government-backed loan?
1: Yeah, I would tell you that there's a lot of lenders out there, mainly banks and credit unions, that don't even offer government-backed loans at all. Of course, they won't tell you that if you don't ask, but you go in there thinking you're getting a big suite of products. They may only offer conventional loans or portfolio loans. So make sure that you're dealing with a loan officer, a mortgage advisor, a company that has access to a wide array of products, and and say to them, why shouldn't I do a government loan? Do you guys offer government loans? Let them really explain to you, which I had this conversation just the other day with a buyer. So it's normal to ask those questions. You want to make sure that, you know, you've got someone transparent that knows the guidelines, has the experience. Get your game plan in place for which loan you're going to use to ensure you meet the criteria. You know, your mortgage advisor should be able to look up the house and just based on, you know, basic numbers and looking at some photos, does it have a shot of meeting the requirements or is there a property condition issue? Is there something that could stop us from qualifying for FHA, USDA, or a VA loan? And the last thing is FHA buyers specifically. If you're looking to buy a three to four unit with an FHA know about the self-sufficiency test because it's very, very hard to pass that test in the current market with as high as home prices have been. Talk to your mortgage advisor about the self-sufficiency test. If they don't know what that is, find somebody new. OK, that's mortgage, government backed mortgages, FHA 101. Your whole deal could blow up on a three to four unit property. And a lot of people, it does happen. So I just caution you because I've heard stories in the last couple of weeks about this. And if you have an advisor that's doing the legwork up front, collaborating with your realtor up front on what the rents are and all the specifics, we can figure this stuff out before it becomes a problem, before it becomes stressful, you know. And I would tell all of our listeners, I don't usually say this, Gary, but You know, if you're someone out there today and you're feeling uneasy, maybe you're not getting advice that's actually congruent with what we're talking about. I'll do a second opinion consultation with you free of charge. You know, I've done that quite a bit over the last couple of months where people have sent me the estimate. They've sent me the number, said, hey, I want to make sure I'm getting a good deal. I want to make sure I'm getting right advice. No charge, no obligation. I'll take a look and let you know. And in a lot of cases, we might be able to save you a lot of money. It's just like getting a major surgery or doing anything major in your life. You've got to get a second opinion, at least
0: one. Last I knew Buying a house was something major in your life. So it makes perfect sense. All right, folks, uh, if you'd like more information on this show and any of the other shows that we have uh, done here uh, with Mortgage Matters, simply head on over to Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com. Again, it's robgw.com. By the way, if you've got a question that you would like to have answered, Right here on these very airwaves, simply send an email to Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Again, it's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And as I promised earlier, if you'd like to set up a consultation with Rob, simply write this phone number down and give him a call immediately. 860-413-3938. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.